wandering into the night Wanting a place to hide this weary soul This bag of bones I try with all my might But I just can't win the fight I'm slowly drifting Vagabond
I hope that's your prayer today. I know it's mine that God's spirit would be poured out within each and every one of us. You know, we have a part to play in that, right? We need to be available and open. And I pray that today that you are open to the spirit of God moving in and through your heart. We want to just take a moment and pray. But before we do that, one of the things that we do each week that I love is that we take a moment and pause. And for those of you who have needs, maybe there's places you're struggling today. Maybe there's even a place that you want to sit and just celebrate something God's doing in your life, but you would like prayer specifically for you. We'd love to have you just take a seat and there may be a few that come around you and uh, lay their hands on you and pray over you. God, that really is our prayer today as we walk into this morning. Lord, that your spirit would be poured out that we would be available, that we would be open, willing, ready, and able to hear from you. Lord, we, we are so grateful that we are children of God, that, God, we have this thing called the Holy Spirit, that, Lord, you pour out so freely, freely in our lives. In the days that we struggle, in the days that we just find difficult, God, you are there, your presence is there, and through your Holy Spirit, you continue to meet us in very unique and special ways. And so, God, I pray for my friends specifically today who are seated. I just pray, God, a special anointing upon their lives. And whatever it is that they're facing today, whatever it is that they're celebrating today, whatever it is that has caused them to lean back and to take a seat, God, would you just meet them where they are? Lord, I just thank you that you are the God that comforts us when we need to be comforted that heals us when we need to be healed, and that comes alongside us when we need you to come alongside us. So we're grateful for your presence. And God, as again, as we pray each week, we think globally of Jason and Carenza who are serving in Europe. God, we just pray specifically for workers for them, that you continue to raise the harvest there. And God, even uniquely in the Czech Republic, as they have a project that they're working on, that you would also bring a blessing to that, them. And then, Lord, locally, we pray for the United Methodist Church of the Dunes over in Grand Haven. And God, whatever their expression is today, we just pray again that special anointing, that pouring out of the Spirit, that, that Holy Spirit moment in their church. And that, God, you would just multiply their efforts and just help them to flourish through you. And then finally, Lord, for us here, as we begin this series called 21 Days, as we enter into this concentrated time of prayer and focus upon you, God, would you pour your spirit out in the coming weeks? And God, we just look forward to hearing and seeing and experiencing what you're going to do in and through us because we're, we're focused, we're really driven in this particular area. And so God, we pray for the word as Pete shares it today, that as it goes out, it will not, as the scripture says, return void, that we will be prepared, we'll be open for your spirit to move within our lives. And God, we just want to thank you. We want to thank you for this day. And we just lift all of this up to you in the name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, amen and amen. Thank you for being here. If you want to take a seat, you may. I want to welcome you. And I guess winter is here, right? Uh, it took till the middle of January for it to arrive. But we're so grateful for those of you who are here in person, the few of you who are able to make it out in this weather, I want to specifically say welcome to those of you who are watching online. As we can tell by our attendance today, there are a number of you who I hope are watching us online, and we just want to say a special welcome to you. If you are a guest with us today, thank you for being here. A warm, warm winter welcome to you. We want to encourage you to be able to take a moment and think about getting connected to us. We'd love to know that you are a part of our, our morning. Again, if you're watching us online in your new. 
we would ask that you would fill out our connection card. If you're here, you'll find that card in the chair back in front of you. There's also a QR code. You can utilize that, which actually will take you to a digital card. And again, if you're watching us online, you certainly can go to allshores.org and fill out the connection card that way. But thank you for braving the weather and coming out today for those of you who are here. I do want to let you know about a, an event coming up this Saturday, our men's breakfast. If you've thought about this or heard anything about it, I want to kind of push you over the edge to come and be a part of our men's breakfast. It'll be up in Muskegon, 9 o'clock this Saturday. Our very own Stuart Aspinall will be sharing. If you don't know much about Stuart's story, he was actually a guard at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. And if you've ever experienced the changing of the guard in Arlington, um, it is a, an amazing thing. And so he's actually going to share about his story and how his faith kind of intersects in that. So men, you will want to be a part of that. You can register for that event online under our events page. We just love to know that you're coming next Saturday, 9 o'clock up on the Muskegon campus. And then finally... This is the time where we get to worship the Lord through our tithes and offerings. Again, if you've come today prepared to give physically, there are boxes as you exit today that you can place your offering in. There are also digital ways to do that through our website, and we would love for you to continue to be faithful in that area. We thank you. You know this is a significant part of worship as we give of our tithes and offerings, and so we're grateful for you as you continue to give in that way and your faithfulness. Uh, we're thankful for also. Well, we also have one other event. And again, if you're watching online, we want to encourage you to make your way out tomorrow night. For those of you here live, please come back tomorrow night for our core night. EJ is going to share a little bit more about it as you take a look at the screens. Hey, All Shores Church family. We are so excited for the upcoming core night that we have happening this month on Monday, January 15th. It'll be held at our Spring Lake campus from 6.30 to 7.30, and we want you there. If you consider All Shores to be your home church, or if you're exploring All Shores as your home church, we invite you to be with us. This is a night to be gathered together as a church family, to be in the know of what we sense God doing in and through our church in this season to be encouraged and built up and to get to hear our lead pastor's heart for what is happening in our midst. So come and join us, hear from Pastor Pete on that night and we get to have joy in coming together as a church family on this next core night, Monday, January 15th. See you there. Psalm 119. Blessed are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. May your unfailing love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. You are my portion, O Lord. I have promised to obey your words. I have sought your face with all my heart. Your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness continues through all generations.
Well, I want to welcome those joining us online and all of you tried and true Michiganders in the campus today. That's right. How many of you just said, I don't care what the weather is, I'm going? That's what I said. Thank you. Every one of us. I love it. Hey, before I have you pray everything, I know EJ mentioned it on the video that we have core night tomorrow. I, I want to remind you, this is really, we call it a family gathering. It's, it's a way to be the family together. We celebrate, uh, we get to connect, and we kind of get on the same page. So there's significant things we get to share. In fact, one of them tomorrow night, I, I'm not going to tell you the detail, but we get to share what happened at year end, which is really some fun things. So you can be the first to know. Man, lights are going in and out, scaring me. It's my eyesight. See, I'm distractible today. This is not good. Let's pray. So I'm going to invite you to pray in the quiet. We're entering into 21 days of prayer. It's a season we have at the beginning of the year. I'll explain a little more about that as we get into it. But we simply say this is about revelation. It's not about information, persuasion, even influence. It's about revelation. So we always ask, will you pray that God would speak to you? Whatever your posture is, if you're in a place of confusion, doubt, struggle, you're really open, you're kind of mixed, you just talk to him and ask him to speak, and then I'll pray for us together. Lord, I thank you that you love each person, that you love each person here, online, with us, that you want to speak and want to reveal yourself to them. So I'm asking nothing would hinder that today. If there's anything I have to say that would confuse, let it fall to the ground and be forgotten. But whatever is of you, would you speak? Would you open our hearts, our minds, all that we are to you? And Lord, I pray with the psalmist, the words I speak and the way we respond in our hearts and actions would please you, our rock and our redeemer. And we give you this season of prayer and pray, speak, because we're listening. In your name, amen. So I'm curious, here in the campus and even online, you can raise your hand virtually. How many of you like to read, that you're readers? You go, I love to read. Okay, so a good, good portion of you. I, I would rather it be in a movie than read it. Just I'm not much of a reader. Now, oddly, I read about a book a week, but it's because I read for learning. So I have to read. Like, I read because it's a necessity, not because it's a joy. So when someone says, what are you going to do for fun? I'm like, yeah, I don't want to read. I just want to go watch something or do something else. Now, oddly, I've read a few books here and there that I'll read just out of enjoyment. I tend to read books that are like, if they're a guitar player, I'll read their story because I love guitar. I read some different comedians' books just because I like to laugh quite a bit. And so one of the books I read not too long ago is Kevin Hart's, one of his stories of his life. And I'm not endorsing the book. You're like, oh, you said things in there that aren't good. I'm like, yes, he did but I still laughed. And then I asked for forgiveness. No, but, but he tells a story when he's first starting out trying to make it as a comedian. Obviously, he's not doing well. I think he's even working in a tailor shop at that point, but he can't even meet his rent. <clears throat> and somewhere he's in an interaction with his mom, his mom, who's a very strong Christian, and she says, listen, I will, I will provide rent for you each month for the next 12 months if you'll read your Bible. And then she gave him a Bible. So he agrees, goes home, gets to that first month of rent and calls her and says, hey, I, I need that first month of rent. She said, well, did you open your Bible? Did you read it? And tell me about that. I just want you to talk to me about it first. So he realizes he has not opened it, doesn't say anything. Gets to month two, calls her again, says, listen, I'm in trouble. I'm now getting some notices. I need help. I just got to know first. I just asked you to read your Bible. Did you read your Bible? And again, she catches that he hasn't read it. He doesn't even try to fake it. Gets to the third month, and he's ready. Basically, now he's getting notices. He's going to be evicted. 
Calls her again, Mom, I need money. I'm at the third month. You said you'd help me. She said, just talk to me after you. Tell me what you, did you read the Bible? So he hangs up frustrated and decides he'll pick it up. Picks it up, opens it, and there are 12 checks in there, one dated for each month for his rent. <laughs> tell me that wasn't an awesome scam, was it, on him? <laughs> What's funny is when he gets done, he says, listen, I never read it after that anyway, because it just felt like I should. It was, he looked at his mom and thought, she's a religious person. I might respect her faith, but I don't know the benefit of this, and it feels more like an obligation. Now, I tell you that because we're entering into 21 days of prayer, and you might even think, oh, 21 days of prayer, which very simply is the way we begin the year. We try in the beginning of the year to have a season where we seek God. Now, you might say, well, you said it's prayer, so why aren't we putting what we're going to do? Why aren't you teaching us to ask him for things? Like, well, let's be clear. Prayer is a much bigger picture than that. And if we're connecting to the Lord, what do you think is better, to hear from him or for us to tell him? And we would say hearing from him. We would say we actually want, as a church, for all of us to learn to actually hear his voice. How do we hear from him? How are we led by him? How does he speak to us? And so our premise going into this idea of a series is that we think it centrally is found and kind of the, the anchor place is in the scripture. And I'll explain that in a little bit. But I also want you to get a different picture. Because I'll have this in all my years of, of leading and even just years of serving in the church and even in friendships, when you ask people, hey, how are you doing in your own time with God and what's it like to be in Scripture? Oftentimes what you hear is, oh, I should be doing it more. Oh, there's a lot of shoulds. I'm supposed to. I know it's going to tell me things that are going to help me. But it often feels more like it's a should of and it's a, a must and kind of an obligation. That's how we often view it. And, and I want to start, before we even get into it, we're going to be in a psalm that's called a Torah psalm. There are three of them, Psalm 1, Psalm 119, and Psalm 19. We're in 119. But part of it is we have a view of Scripture like it's an obligation. And I want to take you back to the world Jesus lived in and the Jewish culture Jesus lived in because from the moment kids began to engage in what was Scripture at that time in the Jewish Bible, uh, they had ways of trying to encourage them that this was not an obligation but a delight. So what would happen is on the first day when they were bait affair, when they were in their earliest education, which was centered around Scripture, by the way, they would come in and they would have a plate, basically a tablet there that Scripture, the letters would be written on because they had to first learn the letters. And on the letters, they basically doused them with honey. Because in case you don't know, Scripture over and over again says things like, your word is honey to my lips. And they wanted a young child to experience the tactical joy of what it means to engage in Scripture. Now, I thought honey was messy, and it's, it's not quite a center of our target. So when you came in today, you should have gotten a kiss. Go ahead and hold that up. I hope you have them here. If you're online, I hope you enjoy your virtual kiss because it's all you're getting. I'm sorry, but I'm not that sorry. So I decided that in a mo modern way that we probably think more about chocolate as a sweet thing than honey. And I want you to basically just open this thing. Man, I don't know why. I had trouble with this last service, too. I, it's funny. I can make a mess where there is none anywhere, so don't pay attention to all the crud I leave here. But I want you to consider, just, I'm going to have you taste this in just a minute, and consider Scripture's meant to see to us the idea of it's sweet, it's rewarding, it's fulfilling. Go ahead and take it and eat it now. And I want you just to savor the chocolate. You can savor it at home virtually. Sorry, you couldn't get any. And by the way, since it was so, it's so snowy today, feel free to take one on the way out because maybe Monday when you do it, you should pop another one in. I know this is silly, but it's a tactical way to go. A tactile, I mean, it's a tactile way to go, oh my goodness, what I'm about to do is sweet. 
Uh, you go home and you buy some Reese's Pieces if you have to or whatever. But what a great thing to just as you're going to engage in Scripture, taste the sweetness of what God's intention is for us in this. Now I tell you that because our intention in these 21 days of prayer is to help you, what we believe, is hear from God as we engage in Scripture. And I want to give, hopefully, a few course corrections before we get into it. One is, we often hear things, and you'll hear them in this text, things like, I love your law, I love your precepts. We kind of think about it as, as antiseptic rules, like what, what, what the psalmist is saying is, I really am a rule person. I love, God, that you gave us rules, and we just, like, they're the person that's watching everyone for what rule they miss. And that's really not what it means, and that's part of the sweetness of it. So the word that Torah, the very word for the law, we think of this as kind of a hardbound rule book, and it's much more about guidance. Now, there are, it is full of how to live, but the idea with Torah is it literally means, it comes from the word yara, which means to cast or to point to or direct. It's kind of giving us the direction where to go in, but it's much more than that. Yara, this word for the idea of pointing to, this word that we get Torah from, is also the root of the word we use for mom and dad. In other words, it's a relational word. So when you're hearing that this is God's instruction, this is God's way, it's like God is walking with us as our parents, showing us the way, not just in word, but in action and in experience. So when the psalmist talks about loving your precepts, loving your commands, loving your way, he's saying, I love that you, like a parent, walk in a direction and I'm invited to follow you and live this way. In other words, it's about relationship. Now, I want to be clear, too, because we're going to be in this psalm the whole series, that we firmly believe what it is about the Scripture that's authoritative, what we believe is unique about it, we call it the written word, is that it reveals the living word. In other words, the writing, it reveals God's heart, His intention, and who He is, and ultimately, it reveals Jesus. So we read the Scriptures in order to discover Jesus. We don't just read them as a rule book or a principle book. It's revelatory. It's like God's writing a letter to us his love letter, and we're discovering him through it. In other words, it's about relationship. It's about walking with. It's about becoming like, not a rule book like do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. It's not saying there aren't principles, but I want you to see the difference because this is already a part we get into trouble with when we hear about reading Scripture. And I want to say this getting into it. You're going to hear really powerful words of excitement and beauty but you may be struggling because you have a lot of preconceived notions of what you think Scripture is or what you've been taught about it or even the way it's been used towards you. And we'll come back to it, but I'm asking you to just kind of leave things a bit more open. What might God want to say to you about who he is? I don't mean how you interpret it, but how the very heart behind what you hear and how you hear. Now, now let me say it this way because this is a Torah psalm. Like I said, there's three of them that are elevating for us how central Scripture was in the life of the Jewish person, and for us, how central they are to it as a Christian, all of Scripture. We would say that Jesus is revealed in Scripture, that in essence, and you'll see this in the text, how God reveals who he is through the reading of this to us individually and together. That's his intention. Now, only because some, for some people it's helpful to know the background, Psalm 119 is the longest psalm. Most people get to it. If they're ever, I'll read five psalms a day, some people do this. They get to 119 and they're like, oh, no. This is a long psalm, because it's, it's long. It actually is 22 sections. They correspond to every letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So the first section will say Aleph at the end of that. That's the first letter. Then Beit is the second one. That's the one we're in today, Gimel, and it goes on. Now, this is just an alliterative thing. 
we don't read it in the Hebrew, but if you did, every sentence, every line, there's eight lines in every section, it starts with the letter of that section. So if it's Aleph, everyone starts with an A in the section where it's bait. Now you're not going to read it in English and go, I don't know what it means. I just think it's funny because I don't, if you've ever been around the church, how many times do pastors try to make alliteration for every message? Well, they're all B words, they're all C words, they're all blah, 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 blah. So the Bible does it too. That's where we stole it from. Doesn't mean you have to do it. Like I said, it's not central to the text, but I just wanted you to know because I love little information. And you're stuck because I'm telling you it. All right. So now we're into the second section and we're into the heart. Remember, this is all about elevating and seeing why is scripture so central? Why would we engage in it? And make it clear, in the Jewish culture, every kid, it was central to their education. And we believe in the church, it should be central to ours. In fact, I'll give you one more side note that you may not be aware of. If any of you grew up in a larger mainline church, whether it's Catholic or some of the larger Protestant churches, every time you were together, you probably read a Old Testament, a New Testament, a gospel, and sometimes even a psalm. The idea was the reading of Scripture is central to the church, so they read it so everyone hears it and they get a diet of the whole Scripture. Now, unfortunately, for a lot of people, that became lifeless and they didn't take it in, but that was the intention, was how does the community engage in it? We believe that's important, but we also believe it's important we engage in it alone and in groups. So we're saying there's a broader context, but I, again, no extra charge. You just got stuck with more details. All right, here we go. We're in Psalm 119, we begin in verse 9, and we're going through verse 16. That's the section we have. And this is what the psalmist writes. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not, not let me stray from your commands. Now, I grew up hearing this passage a lot, especially as a teenage boy. Man, they, youth, youth pastors pull this one out all the time on you. Those boys are pretty impure. Let's teach them to hide the word. Let's get them in the word because, man, they better look so they don't do dumb things. That's kind of the idea. That's not what this means, though it could have been applicable. This is much more that remember the psalmist, and if you read the first eight, it's all about the blessing of being engaged in Scripture. What he's saying is to be on the right path, you have to actually be in connection to who God is and what he does and how he walks and how he wants us to walk. So it's not seen as purity from a negative, like, oh, no, if you don't. It's, listen, This is the best path to the best future, to the best life. You actually walk the way God walks and follow the way he lives. It's the best life for you. Now, that will mess with our modern sensibilities because we think the best life is having more, you know, being more successful, making sure there's no pain in our lives around us and everything is good and up and to the right, which I'm just going to tell you as a premise, that is not true. It's just not. So this is offering something better, and that's what the psalm is saying. Listen, how do I do this? Somehow living according to your word, somehow engaged in who you are, and make it clear he's engaging with all of his heart. Now, this is a central piece, and this will be central to the morning of where we're starting with this, because it'll say more about the heart. The heart, in the biblical mind, is the center of your everything of who you are. So it means it's where your intentions are, it's where your emotions and affections are, It's where your thinking is. It's where your will is. It's at the core of who you are. When he says all of his heart, he's saying all of who I am, what I think, what I feel, what I intend, what I want, that's at the center. I want the center of who I am to pursue you and pursue who you are. That's the simple thing he's saying. And I don't want us to miss this because often when we read scripture, we read it as if we basically pull everything else out and we look at it almost as an academic exercise. I'm gonna think through what this means And what it's going to do is tell me something I'm probably not doing, and then I'm going to try harder to do it. That's often how we view it. 
It's a should, and we better find the things we're missing and do better. And you realize that's nothing to do with the fullness of who we are. It's like we cut off a bunch of us. And so I find for people just to begin to let everything of who they are engage in it, and I'll give you some pictures of this as we get into it more. I just wanted you to see the, the basics of this. And, and I want to add one thing when he says, I won't stray from you. I won't stray from your commands. Because <clears throat> this is one of the things I've noticed more in recent years. I, I've noticed there's lots of people that are familiar with Scripture from their growing up. But they're familiar with it in a very limited sense in the way they were taught. And it's mostly about principles and rules. And lots of us now... We think we know who Jesus is and what the Bible teaches because what other people tell us. But in their own desires for what they want and have, they misrepresent it. And I find oftentimes people will come to me really mad. Why aren't we addressing this more? Why aren't we doing this more? But it's like, do you know what Scripture actually says about that? And oftentimes they don't. Like, we really aren't familiar. And so what happens is we stray because we espouse something of Jesus and of his heart that we don't really fully know. It's one of the hardest things when we get into issues, and we have a lot of cultural issues these days. People will tell us exactly what they think is right, and there might even be some elements true, but they don't fully understand it because they don't really know Scripture, and they don't really know what God says about them. So I'm using it as a chastisement to all of us. I'm just telling you, we increasingly are less and less biblically literate, and I would say less aware of what Jesus actually teaches and says. Some years ago, we did, we read through the whole Bible over four years as a church, I'm sure some of you were here then, but um, so we did, we did the New Testament and we did it for sections each year over a limited time. And when we read through it, we did a reading that it took all the, the, the verses and comments out. It didn't take the, the verse numbers, sorry, not the verses. That would be weird. There's no Bible to read. Uh, and all we asked was, what does this tell you about God? What does this tell you about us? What is grabbing your attention? What do you have questions about? And then is there anything you're learning you can share? And in my own experience, with my own group, I remember there were people that had never read Scripture and were like, wow, I didn't know this about Jesus. And people who'd grown up in the church, but they'd had limited slices from what had been taught of what they knew. Almost to a person, everyone in my group said, man, I did not know all that was here. Or even things, like a lot of times people think, oh, Jesus is just loving all the time. And man, he's harsh at times. He's not. He is loving. But he comes down on some things people are shocked at. There's times where God moves in ways people don't like to to deal with because it's, it's sometimes very merciful and sometimes it's difficult. It's like, what does that mean? So I'm just saying, man, what we're inviting you to is a full, robust understanding of who God is and wrestling along the way. I just don't want to miss that as we're getting into it. So, okay, let me move to the part that really matters. This is kind of the center of this first part, and I hope will be centered to us. He says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now, again, this is often taught only in a negative sense. Like, i got to put his word so I don't do dumb things. But, but it's much bigger than this. It's the idea, and I'll give it to you from multiple views. Um, so let me start with Jesus. Jesus talks about when they're all arguing about what's sinful and what's not. He goes, listen, you are so worried about what they were talking about, what they can eat and not. He said, you're so worried about what's in your mouth, but what comes out of your mouth comes from your heart. In other words... What is inside of you in your emotions and your thinking and your intentions and your will is what ultimately comes out. That your heart reveals who you are. That's what he's saying. So when the psalmist is saying this, he's going, I want your word in my heart because your word is the essence of who you are. And the more I know who you are, the more I want to live that way because it's inside of me. So here's the part that I, I always love. It's a rabbinic teaching uh, that goes back to when the Israelites primarily, the first passage there to learn as kids is 
Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Ahad. It's hero Israel, the Lord your God is one. And then love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, that comes later in other words. Love with all your heart. And then he says, these commandments should be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. The idea is, and this is what they taught, that ultimately when you recite, when you look at, when you're constantly looking at them and pondering them, it sits over your heart. And they said when it does, and your heart's open enough, and it opens up, they actually can go in. And I go, that's a beautiful picture, because it's a picture of, is our heart open to discover who God is, or is it closed? And I want to say this to you, because this is one of the major revelations of Jesus coming that makes scripture reading different for us than it would for people in history and people that don't know it. So there's a prophecy, and there are many that speak of Israel hardening their hearts to God, but there's one where it says God initially wrote who he was, kind of his commands, on tablets of stone. It says there will come a day, prophet Jeremiah says, when he will write it on our hearts. In other words, it'll be inside of us. And in case you don't know, Jesus' death, his life, death, and resurrection isn't just he comes and substitutes for us for our sins, so he pays for them. That is one of the central themes. But his resurrection also means he brings new life to us, and he gives us his very spirit to be in our hearts. In other words, we can't even open our hearts on our own unless God helps us. This is how Paul says of it, and it's written multiple times, both from what Jesus says and what the early church says. He says he, meaning God, set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit where? In our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. In other words, I want you to be clear. When we're saying hide hide your word in our heart, we're saying we need your spirit inside of us to awaken the truth, to help us be transformed by it, and to actually be responsive. Because you and I know we all have closeness and openness in different points, don't we? I mean, I know this is true for me. There are lots of times where I can read something and I'm just closed off. I'm closed off sometimes because of my own struggle and sin. Like, have you ever seen this where we justify what Scripture says so we can get away with what we want? I cannot tell you, man, as a pastor, people love to come to me and tell me some really bad decisions they're going to make and how Scripture told them they should do it. Like, wow, I, it's hard. To, it's very easy to see in others. Now, I do it too, but I, I'm much more sophisticated at how I hide that. Apparently, or at least in my own mind, I am. So there's the internal things, but I want you to tell you too, you want to know another thing that closes us off? It's the pain we've received and the way life has been portrayed from others to us of Jesus. I cannot tell you how many people I've talked to where they've grown up in some kind of religious environment that the Bible is treated kind of as a weapon of God's constant anger and disappointment with us to use against us. And really, like, God is just constantly mad, and that's how they read Scripture. Now, that closes us off in different ways, doesn't it? Or a young kid who gets abused and they're by their spiritual leading parent and it closes them off. Or their family member in some way was great with people at the church, but when they came home, they were just hard to be with. It closes them off. Or people that espouse things that aren't Jesus, which is all over the place today, closes them off. So I want to be clear. Hearts get closed for lots of reasons. And what we're asking at first is maybe there's some reasons that you have that make it hard to read and hard to discover Jesus because of how you've lived, how you've been taught, and what you've taken in. One of the ones that grieves me the most is when people will tell me, I can't, I just can't read. I don't, it doesn't, 
I don't mean this badly, but it doesn't make sense to me, or I'm not made for this, I need someone to explain it, or just something of God doesn't want to speak to me that way. I just don't think he will. I know lots of people that they read it and they're literally discouraged because they just sense God's constant anger and disappointment when they read it. And, and I know at least for me, that was an internal closeness, that the more I understood who he was, when I get corrected, it is so much more loving. It's not this constant, I can't believe. It's, man, I love you and I want more for you. And even more, it's I'm with you when you can't change and when you struggle. So I don't know what the lies are, but I'm going, part of our hope in this three weeks is you might begin to ask God to open up what you've closed off. I'll give you one other one because a lot of people tell me they don't love to read, and I agree. I say, I don't either. I wish they'd make a movie. I would do much better of the movie. But I've also found that for some people, because they're not visual, it can be something auditory. I found a lot of people that don't enjoy reading scripture, that if they get something like Dwell, which is a Bible app that's audio, or even take something like the um, U version, they have audios on all of their translations. Literally, you can just click a button and it'll read to you. And for lots of us, audio is the way to go. And in case you don't know, for most of church history and most of Jewish history, it was primarily spoken, not written. So I go, it's actually a really wonderful way. For us, will you just pursue discovering what the barriers are and how God might move through them? Because the lie that keeps your heart closed is, I can't and he doesn't want to. And then the other lie is, I don't want to know because I'm afraid of what he's going to say to me because I don't want to deal with this or deal with that. And my only encouragement in that is, if there's something in your life that's destructive, you can wait till it gets more destructive, <laughs> or you can open up to now when you can actually find help and hope earlier. Because that's God's intention, is to help you now, not just help you later. Now, we're going to be pursuing that, this idea of opening our hearts of the fact that his spirit is literally in us. I, I'll say it this way. As a Christian, he is in you. He wants to reveal Jesus to you. He wants to help you, to love you, to transform you in his likeness, and to help you bring his light to the world in need. You see, it's a crazy thing. Every, every movement we always say within the Christian church brings something else, brings something unique and wonderful. And I'll tell you this, we don't talk much about being Wesleyan, but one of the things we bring, I think, to the body of Christ, all churches, is we actually believe the Holy Spirit not only lives in us, but powerfully can change us. And that we not only invite it, we actually believe he does it. Do you know the church needs to know that? I always feel like, listen, I have been doing this a long time, and the fact that I'm still standing and I haven't just fallen apart is a sentiment and a statement, I believe, of God's power and movement. Like, I look and go, I know this is true because I know how selfish I am and how much I want to do on my own, and I know how easily I tip back into those things. And I also know that the more I confess and ask for help, God seems to move powerfully. And what I, can, what I bank on is if my wife sees that, and my grown children see that, and the, my friends see that, and the people I work with see that, I go, it must be true. Because, man, I, I don't know about any of you, but you, I am not good at faking it very long. And what I say up here doesn't really matter. What matters is, do I live it? And I'm telling you, as one believer who's all sorts of messed up, it's true, man, the Spirit changes us. And what if God wants you to access that by engaging in Scripture? Because it's the central way we discover who Jesus is. I love that people will tell me the way God speaks to them. God speaks to me out in nature. That's great. God speaks to me and gives me these insights. That's great too. But don't be confused that that alone can get you off track because the fullness of Jesus plays out in the fullness of Scripture and then the fullness of him with us together and individually. And ultimately, those things that are good, if that's all you have, moves you in a bad direction, I'm telling you.
It's not a substitute. It's a central piece that we do this. That's why we're emphasizing it. Let me show you. These are four just great outplays. And, and the text doesn't necessarily trying to say this. I'm just saying this is a great way to think about it. There's lots of ways to view it. You can look at each verse alone. But this is his conclusion after hiding his word in his heart. Hey, praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. I think what he's saying here is, you know what? The more I discover of who you are and the way you live and the way you work, the more I want to praise you. And, and I'll give you one example for me <clears throat> because it's an ongoing struggle I have. We live in America, man. We are the success-driven people on the planet. We constantly want to do better. We compete. We want it to go well. And I'm not saying those are necessarily bad things in and of themselves, but they can drive us to bad things. So for me, one of the things is, I, I've said that, shared this before. It's a regular theme, so I'm sorry if you hear it again, but it's my ongoing struggle. I always think I just want the church to thrive and grow like crazy so I can tell other people the church doesn't need to grow to be important. Now, you realize that's really messed up. It's like the movies we have. Our, our heroes typically do very well in life, and they're not fulfilled, and then they change their mechanism, and they're going to be fulfilled, but they still have everything. <laughs> like, oh, but life's still easy anyway. And I go, that's, that's not true. That's not even fulfilling. If that were true, wouldn't the most successful people be the most happy? If that were true, wouldn't there be a point with which people said, that's enough? See, what's true is faithfulness. And seeing God so powerfully and beautifully that those things of success, those things that drive us, that say, as long as my kids are comfortable, as long as there's no pain, as long as everything goes well, that's a lie. And what the psalmist is saying, I'm discovering who you are in the ups and downs in life, and that, I want more of that. And that's what I know is true for me, man. The more I get that, the more I want him. Because I know those other things aren't fulfilling in my mind, but my heart opens up when I see how God moves when those aren't the things I'm looking for. Just a picture of it. Yours might be different, but I'm hoping it's helpful. Now what he does is he then shows this kind of whole realm of experience with it. <clears throat> hey, with my lips, I will recount the laws that come from your mouth. Now in part, that's him reciting it for his own ears, but it's also him sharing it with others. And we always talk about this. Our lives are to be light and help to others. Now I don't mean that you go to your work and go, hey, I read this today in the Bible about what a sinner you are and it's time for you to change or you're just going to be pretty bad for you. And I'm not, that just wouldn't be my first optimistic way to tell it. But it is about what is God teaching you in your life that you might share with others. So I'll give you one for me. As, as, a, as a husband, and I've, you know, I've got 36 years of marriage right now, we're coming on 37, I know that I am prone to helping my wife when it works for me. I, am, I was always really good at making it appear I was quite serving. But it's a limited, like I wanted to maximize the benefit and minimize the struggle. Really sad, isn't it? But over time, I think, my wife would tell you, I am learning and God is opening my heart to what does it actually mean to care about her needs, to love her, even to my own detriment, to actually care about other people. That's a heart change. And his decrees are exciting to me and I want to share it. So commonly, I will talk to guys almost I don't want to say they all, but I've talked to lots of men who are, they, they feel like failures in their marriage. I hear this a lot. And I go, I want to share with them how God wants to help us because we can't do it on our own. So I'm now sharing his decrees because I found he's helpful to me and I want to help them. I can't be responsible for it changes, but do you see how you'd want to share it if it's changing? That's the only picture I wanted to get. He's saying, I got to recite these. I got to tell people because something's happening in my life. 
That's part of the thing for us. We want you to pursue Jesus because as he changes your life, you will have the single benefit of that. It will change your relationships. And then it also bears witness to other people who feel helpless and hopeless. Because at least for me, I go, listen, if God can help me, this impulsive, very needy, kind of broken man to actually be loving and different, he can help other people. Wouldn't I want to share that? Do you see the motive difference? I, I want you just to see that's part of what he's saying. This is the second one. He says, I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. <laughs> this is the piece I, I think we often run right past. We see a principle and say, like, oh, I'll try and do this better instead of going, man, I think this is what God's heart is and it's more meaningful. So I want the rich of that. I'll tell you one for me that's been really ruminating this last year is I've really come to believe the nature of God being giving and selfless is not to achieve a means, it's actually the nature of God. Like he actually is giving and selfless. And the more that can change where I want to be like that, there's a richness to that. Like I think that's better than hitting the lotto. I think it's better than having my life always go well and easy. And what the psalmist is saying, when I discover who you are and the richness of who you are, it's better than what I thought it would be. And I can tell you, at least from my limited experience, that's becoming true and he wants that for you. That's the picture. That's why there's rejoicing. It's not an antiseptic intellectual ascent. He says, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. This is the idea that we don't just read Scripture in a moment. It's not like, here's my quick fix and I'll get to it. It's that God actually wants you to, to chew on what he's showing you. <clears throat> so I will again, all I know to do in this is give you some examples for me. So I, I did a study through Luke this year, and that was a very, I just kind of let myself sit in it more. I did a lot of slower reading. Well, I'll just, I'll give you one. So this was just from the last chapter of Luke. Luke 24, there's a place called the Road to Emmaus, and these two people are walking on the road, and Jesus has died, and they've been told he rose, but they don't believe it, and they're really disappointed. And Jesus is now walking with them. They, he doesn't, they don't recognize him. And basically, they're disappointed because they thought he would redeem Israel, which meant to them that he would take power and Israel would be in charge. That's what they thought would happen. But because Jesus didn't meet that need the way they thought it would be met, they are heartbroken. In other words, they put something on him that wasn't true. So I find myself now chewing on that because I wonder how many places do I put on Jesus an expectation of what I think he should do and how he should do it, even in my life, in the life of people around me, in our community, in our area, in our nation, in the world. I'm like, oh no, I want to chew on this. Because I think there's places I put things on him that I just, maybe I miss it. And for me, chewing on that is not negative, it's positive. Because I'm just wanting to discover how has he really, I want the revelation they have later, which is basically he breaks bread with them and they're like, their eyes are opened. And he's also shown scripture to them of what it said. I'm like, I want my eyes open and not to miss it. So I want to chew on that. I don't just want to go, oh, that was a nice message today. Let's see what I find out for tomorrow. There's things that God wants us to sit in. And sometimes they're a day, sometimes they're a week, sometimes they're a month, sometimes they're a year, sometimes they're life messages. But I want you to get the idea of chewing on it. That's what he's saying. And then finally he says, I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. <laughs> and I'm going to go back to the kisses we started with. See, my prayer is you'll start to engage if you haven't, and you'll engage more if you had, and your heart will get more opened. But ultimately, that what that openness leads to is, like, I still get enamored when I'm in quiet and something is clear to me that I can tell God's speaking and I go, the God of the universe just talked to me. Something got clear that wasn't. 
And even when I have to pray, most of my prayers are, Lord, I don't, I can't change. I love that. I don't think I can do that. When he starts to move, I'm going, this is amazing. Like, I want more of this. I want more of this. That's what the psalmist is saying. I want more of this. I want to delight in it because the God of the universe wants to reveal himself to you. And I think what we read often is he just wants to beat you up and either condemn you or he wants to, or some of us just want him to endorse everything we're doing and we find ways to do it. So this is my simple encouragement as we move into it and I'll give you some directions for the 21 days. I want to say this. His spirit awakens our hearts as we read scripture. If you treat scripture as an exercise of understanding only, you have limited your whole heart entering it. And what I want to remind you is the spirit lives in us who follow Jesus. And those who are pursuing or even just questioning, the spirit is walking around with us, still whispering and trying to make real. But in the midst of knowing God, his very presence is in you. Jesus said he would be the counselor to guide you into truth. He also tells us it'll be the power of transformation. Like, I want that to awaken you. Man, if you need to eat a stinking Reese's peanut butter cup every time you open that thing and then just ask God, would your spirit open up my heart to hear you? Let's start there. Because the spirit wants to awaken that, they, that he speaks to you. And by the way, the collectiveness of us is what keeps us on track. Because sometimes we hear things, it's like, is that true or not? Is that even true of scripture? And part of the community of faith and the tradition of the church is helping us go, this needs to align. If we start hearing things that are so different, we have to ask bigger questions. But there's an alignment that we have through this. And then let me give you your part. I think your part is to open your hearts and to respond to what he reveals. I think you need to be asking the Lord in this 21 days, Lord, what inside of me keeps me from wanting to pursue you? In other words, what things might not I want to hear that I'm scared about? Or also, what things have I believed from others and the way I've been taught that has hindered my hearing from you? And then we're just asking, God, keep my heart open. Keep my heart open. Keep my heart open. Or open it up where it's been closed. I love the prophecy that turns hearts of stone to hearts of flesh because that's the work of the spirit taking people that are crusty and dried up and, and what you'll begin I'll, I'll tell you this too at least it helps me I know when I get more crusty I mean I'm crusty all the time to some degree I'm just an old curmudgeon but but some of that crustiness I can feel I can tell it in my interactions I can tell it with how I speak and what I do it's like so I know when I'm getting there something's going on in my heart that's not good and the people closest to me are more than happy to share that with me as well which I appreciate most of the time but I'm like, we need to have that awareness too. Would you say, I want my heart open, and would you look for the Spirit to awaken you? And then I'll just give you what we're doing to try to help you in these 21 days. We set aside this time to go, it's a time we begin the year, and we're seeking God. And here's the fun part. We're seeking him not to go, oh, here's my requests and my needs. We're seeking him to go, maybe it's better for me to hear from you and be led by you than to tell you what I want. Now, you can still pray your needs, and we'll have places for that. But our pursuit is how do we hear from him, and how do we specifically learn to hear from him in Scripture? So what we've done is we've devised a 21-day plan. So this is on our website. If you go to allshores.org slash 21, you need to sign up for the plan. That's a 21-day devotional. The reason there's a second step in signing up is it's off of Right Now Media. We put it together there. But you have to have, an, you have, to have a um, membership to that. It's all free for you. We, we pay for it. But uh, we want you to sign up today. Sign up, and then tomorrow you'll start getting one every day. And I want to explain the devotional. So what happens is it's a, you'll go on Right Now Media. The inbox will take you there. The first part will be a three or four minute kind of a devotional thought of the passage you're going to read from one of our team. And they're really great. I've already watched some of them, just been really encouraged. The next is a verse to just sit in for a while. Like the first one tomorrow is 
uh, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, you'll find rest for your souls. It's the idea that in the heavy burden of life, God wants to give us rest. But what we want to do is, would you just sit in that? Just encourage, what does God want to say to you? What do you need in that right now? What do you long for from him? Where's there a gap you wish it happened? Like, just be honest. And then out of that, we give you some application and prayer things, some ways to reflect on it. And we give you every day three prayers for the church. They'll be the same, and they're all communal, but they all apply to you directly, really particularly about how we're a family, how we hear from God, and how he directs us. But we're going, would you pray that? Out of that, there's a short uh, a worship song that it kind of puts that together for you and lets you engage. And then finally, there's a reflection spot at the end, maybe 10 minutes to do it. I wanted to be clear. This is what it is. And man, this is a great step. And all of us doing it together will have its own impact. The second one is for those of you who have young kids or even kids a little older, we have a kids devotional. Amy Sheridan, our children's pastor, put this together. It's really great. It's got some very tactile ways to do it and even often supports what we're doing in, in your own quiet it's really simple, but it also gives some profound things for kids to put handles on what this means, and there's some connection attached to that. And then Prayer Loft is an app. It's, it's a place we have on our site. When you click it, it'll take you there asking you if you want to pray or if you want to give a request. And I would ask you to do both. If you have requests, put them on there. Maybe you'll have requests during the 20 days. But imagine if you just committed to praying through the needs in the church that people put on. What happens is you pray for it, you click it, and they get a little email saying somebody prayed for you. It's a great way to just engage in that. Three simple things. We'll have a worship night coming up during this that we'll tell you more about. I just wanted to give you, here's what we want you to do to engage in the 21 days. There's a new season. What if we all engage in discovering his heart, learning to hear from him, and growing in this? Holy Spirit, awaken my heart that you're in me. Holy Spirit, keep my heart open to actually hear from you and respond to what you teach. That's what we're inviting you into. And I'll say it again. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is not just about forgiveness. It is but it's about new life he gives us to now live in a way we can't on our own because none of us can be changed on our own. God has to move to actually bring the fulfilling life he has for us. Let me pray for us. Lord, we commit these 21 days to you. And I pray for any among us who have said, you know, I'm not even sure I'm ready for this, that they'd take a step of faith, even just engaging in it. I pray for others who follow that they might not dismiss, but even find a way to engage because it's something we're doing together. Lord, I pray you would awaken all of us to your spirit in our hearts, that you would strengthen, whisper, transform, lead. And I pray as well, Lord, that you would help us where our hearts are closed to open them from those things internally that we fight against and want to stay in that are not good for us, and also for those things that have been done to us or around us that have hurt us and kept us from believing you want to speak. Lord, help us and protect us from the places we're off that we'd move back to the places that are led into you. Help us to see the parts and the ways of you are better than all the things we fight for and want. And let us pursue you in all things. I pray this in your name. Amen. We always give a little space to respond after the message. We're going to worship together, which is a place to sing of the very things and ask God to speak as we sing, and we'll celebrate communion. So let me invite you to stand as we worship, and then I'll lead us in communion as well.
celebrate communion whenever we're together. <laughs> it's really a centering picture for us that we receive what God does for us and not only are forgiven, but transformed by it. Like it's from him. It's not something, we come to the end of ourselves where we go, I can't do this. I can't be changed the way I wished I could. I can't try hard enough. I call it active dependence. I want to move, but completely dependent on God. And, and communion is a sense that we see it. Jesus, in one moment with his disciples, says, greater love has no one than to lay down his life for his friends. And then Paul says later, many of us might put our lives on the line for someone who is good to us, but who would put their life on the line for someone who is living horribly, sinning and being away? But God demonstrates that love when he dies for us in that moment. In other words, God shows his love for us in the places we don't want anybody to see most ashamed and most struggling. That's love. That's the God who comes not just to free, but give life and give a new heart. On the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, he broke it, and he gave thanks. He said, this is my body given for you. And we receive. That's what we do. Let's take of it. In the same way, Jesus took the cup and said, it's a new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. See, we can't atone for it. We can't fix on our own. And Jesus dies, so we're washed free. I love the image at Passover because they eat a bitter herb to be reminded of the bitterness of slavery, which for us reminds us of the bitterness of sin. And the drink is sweet to wash it away. And we are freed and washed of that. So Lord, would you demonstrate, would you pour out, would you open hearts, would you awaken us to your love and help us to discover your very power and presence. Open us to you, God. We can't do it alone. And we receive that from you today in your name. Amen. Let me invite you to stand as we worship and just remind you of this too. Maybe you're struggling believing God loves you or cares for you. We're about to sing about his goodness running after us. And that's the beauty I believe with all my heart. And even if you don't, let us sing it over you. Because I'm telling you, God's running after you and he cares deeply for you. 
even in the places you run or think you're forgotten or forsaken. Let's sing this as a declaration and encouragement to each other. give you a blessing and before you head out uh, as we were singing uh, this happened to me both services I I just start pondering who among us might be going I, I don't see it I don't sense it and I wish I did but I, I don't trust that God's actually there I go this is where he should be because part of the role of the church is we sing over you and we give faith to you when you don't have it on your own because for many of us we've been through seasons of that and the role of the church is to stand with you when you can't stand for yourself I, when someone comes to me and tells me they just don't have faith or anything, I'm like, that's okay. I got enough for both of us. Let me, let me ride this for you. Let me pray with you. Let me walk with you. That's what we do. And that's what you do for each other. So don't miss that. And then I, I don't want to miss what God might do in these 21 days. What if your heart began to open up to hearing from God in ways you haven't before? What if the Holy Spirit was awakened in you that you're discovering how the Lord speaks and whispers and prompts and how you actually discover who Jesus is. Wow. That is transformational. And it's available to all of us. I just don't want to miss that. So I encourage you to sign up. I'd love to see you back tomorrow night uh, as we get to share some things and celebrate together as a church family. So many of you place your hands out. Let me tell you too, because it was a lot of people online today, we have a lot of extra kisses. So for those of you here, feel free to take some extra ones so your first few days this week, go ahead and chomp on some chocolate when you're going ahead and doing this. Because I do think a tactical thing would be very helpful, tactile. For those of you at home, feel free to do it virtually. That's all I can give you. Let me have you place your hands up. May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ continually fill you with, your, with the Spirit. May the Spirit be awakened in you in ways you understand and experience. May your heart be open to Him. Those places that are hurting because of your own sin and those places you've been hurt by others. May the Spirit tenderize you. And may you begin to hear in ways you never have, discover who He is, and find the delight of 
following him for his glory and your joy. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.